morning. Revival. Revival. We need revival. I'm going to tell you a story, and unlike most of what I tell, it's true, 100% true. I was raised in Porterdale, Georgia. Does anybody know where Porterdale is? Porterdale is a mill village. I was raised in a four-room mill village house. We didn't have a bathroom in our house until I was in the fifth grade. I got five now. Six down the back porch. But my grandmother lived in another little mill village house across the river from us. And I loved to go and stay with my grandmother. And her across the street neighbor was a lady named Mayo Bryant. And I loved Mayo Bryant because when I came, when she came home from the mill, Bill Whistle would blow at 3 o'clock. It was time for her to come home. I would go outside to meet her, and she'd always pretend to box with me. That was a little bitty thing, and I thought it was so cool that I could a box with this grown lady, and it was okay. They let me. Well, she had her husband, Ad O'Brien. I was about 18 years old uh, at home before I got off to college at the University of Georgia. Hallelujah be thy name. <laughs> and I was reading the obituary. And my daddy came home and I said, Daddy, did you know that Ad O'Brien died? And he said, Where is his body? And I said, What well, says J.C. Harwell's son? And my daddy said, I believe he was at J.C. Caldwell, uh, Caldwell at Cowan. The last time he died. <laughs> and I said, do what? He said, yeah, Ed had a heart attack. They announced him dead about 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And uh, they took him to Caldwell and Cowan. Uh, and uh, he came back to life. Lived 34 years. Well, my daddy was one that never let the truth stand in the way of, of a good story. So I really just said, yeah, yeah, yeah and never thought much about it again until 1996, about 20 years later, when my wife's grandmother died, and she and I to uh, take care of the arrangements. And we were in the funeral home with Sam Coward, waiting on my aunt and uncle to get there so we could begin the deliberation of what we were gonna do. And I thought this was a great chance. I asked Sam, I said, Sam, I'm going to ask you something. I want to finally get to the bottom of this because my daddy used to tell this fantastic story about a man named Ad O'Brien that he said was pronounced dead, came back to life, and lived another 30 years. Do you remember anything about Ad O'Brien? And I expected nothing in the clock. But Sam said, it was the dangest thing. <laughs> he said they called from the hospital and said Ad had had a heart attack and died. I went and picked him up. I brought him in. I put him back on the slab where we could do the embalming. And it was supper time, so I went home to supper. I came back in that night. Now, I like to make straight cuts when I embalm people. So I took this little marker and I draw a line uh, down their leg where I cut the first vein, and I drew a line down Ad's leg, and he flinched. 
So I started poking around at his feet and he kept responding. I called the hospital and said, y'all got to come back and get him. He ain't ready yet. <laughs> and they revived him. He lived 30 more years. That is the truth as God is my witness as I am standing here. Revival. That's the ultimate revival. Ad O'Brien and every word of truth. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to raise the dead physically here this week, but I certainly hope that we can bring revival to individual spirits. I hope we can bring revival to the church. I hope we can bring revival to the community. And I hope we can bring revival to our land because if the land ever needed revival, it's the United States of America right now. And it's got to start somewhere, so I think it can start here this morning within each of us. I really do believe that with all of my heart. That's not just preacher talk. Would you please stand and join me as you're able in the reading and hearing of the scripture lesson for today, which comes from the second chapter of Mark's Gospel, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So men came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them, since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And if you don't mind, well, actually, even if you do mind, I'm going to take my jacket off and... Um, uh, we're going to get serious about this thing today. There's so many. That's just a rich, rich chapter of Scripture. It was one of my favorites when I was a kid. You know, I was raised in a Christian home, and I was serious when I said that we were raised in a four-room house and a bath with a pad. But one thing we always did was have books. And I had this beautiful golden book of Bible stories. And my daddy would read it to me and show me the pictures and tell me the stories. Tell me the stories of Jesus that I love to hear. And one of my favorite.
favorites was the one that I just read to you from the Bible. The men digging a hole in the roof and lowering their friend to the feet of Jesus. I just, that just fascinated me when I was a child. I've been blessed to go to the Holy Land the last two years, and I'm going to go again on March the 1st, and I've been to that very house. You can't imagine how thrilling it is to go to the very house that I read about and saw in my Bible storybook when I was three or four years old. It doesn't have a roof now. It's just a stone wall, so the men would have had an easier time. But it's such a rich scripture. Jesus had been in the area preaching with authority healing people, driving out evil spirits, and word had gotten around about what he had done, and he had come home to Capernaum, and he was teaching in a house. And people wanted to come and hear what he had to say. They wanted to come and see him. They wanted to be touched by him. They wanted to be close to him. And so many people were there that there wasn't any more room to get in. Not even to gather at the front door. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were so many people here this morning Wanting and wanting to hear not what Daryl Huckabee has to say, but what Jesus has to say through me that we didn't have seats for everybody. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were people crowding in the narthex and standing around the front door? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Now, I don't want to cut a roof in the ceiling because that might be expensive. And if y'all church like my church, you have to squeeze every dime you can. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Why aren't people filling the pews? You know, churches all over this land are losing membership. People all, churches all over the land are losing membership. We were at the North Georgia Council annual meeting two weeks ago in Athens. I saw Mike there. And, and we reported that we lost 5,000 methods in the last um, year, since last year. 5,000 people left the Methodist church. And I'm not as worried about the people leaving the church as I am the people still in the church who the Spirit's leaving them. So we need to make a conscious effort at reviving ourselves and reviving our church and bringing people back to the foot of Jesus because it's a place that's fit to be. Now don't feel bad because even though I've been here before, I got confused this morning and I went to the Baptist church. <laughs> I got there about 10, 15. I always like to be early so the preacher won't worry that I'm going to show up. They brought me in. They, uh, they gave me some breakfast. Uh, <laughs> I came up to me and said, I know you. You're terrible. Let's be on your yeah, I'm preaching here today. He went and got me a microphone. <laughs> and at 10.40, I was sitting there in front of you in the Baptist church, 
wondering where Mike was. <laughs> and then the preacher came in. And he said, sir, can I help you? I said, well, I'm preaching the revival today. He said, well, that's over at the Methodist Church. <laughs> he sent me over here. But don't feel bad because they, just, they have as many empty seats as we do. <laughs> so don't feel bad about it. But I'm serious. Now, we need to laugh. Good. But we, there's no excuse for it, y'all. We, that, how did those people hear about the fascinating things that Jesus was doing? The miraculous things that Jesus was doing? The word that Jesus of Nazareth was preaching with authority? How did people hear about that? Three words. Who can think of what those three words might be? People say it's the best advertising. Word of mouth. Y'all are a good group. Y'all are a smart group. Word of mouth. He heard by word. People heard by word of mouth. People were impressed with Jesus, so they went and told their friends. They went and told their neighbors. They got the word out. And people walked in those days. That was how they got around. And the villages were five, six, seven miles and so people actually walked to spread the word. We have it easy. We have telephones. We could pick up and call our friends, our neighbors. We could even call our enemies because Jesus tells us to love our enemies. We could call and invite them to come to where Jesus was going to be. We could call and invite them to come and hear the word of God if we wanted to. We don't even have to talk to them if we don't want to. We can use our thumbs. We can text our friends. Everybody knows how to text just about. You know, I didn't understand why my children wanted to text one another instead of calling and talking on the phone until I started texting. Now, I get it, I understand it. We can send texts to people. We can post it on Facebook. We can Twitter. If we really care, we can get the word out about Jesus Christ because Jesus still heals. He still speaks with authority. He still has a message that's worth hearing. So that's the first point that I want to make was that in Capernaum, when Jesus had come home, the house where he was teaching was full of people. You couldn't even get in the front door. You couldn't even get near the front door. And I'm going to challenge you to spread the word about Jesus. Spread the word to your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, that Jesus is going to be showing up here at Gold Springs United Methodist Church tonight at 6 o'clock. That he's going to be here tomorrow night. That he's going to be here Tuesday night. And then we'll get in the habit of coming because he's here all the time. We're doing the work of Jesus right here. It didn't take me long to find that out when I talked to her about the missions and the fish and the things that you're doing. So why aren't we telling people? 
Now, well, okay, I told some people, but they didn't want to come. So I did my part. Well, do you have anybody that is sick and needs Jesus in their lives? Maybe someone who is sick to the point of paralysis. Now, I'm not talking only about physical illness. I'm not going to promise that I can heal anybody. I'm not confident that Jesus has given me the power to heal people. I know for a fact that people can be healed physically. I know that for a solid gold fact. I can testify in court. You know, you want anybody watch attorney shows, lawyer shows, you know, they've got Perry Mason and all those shows, and people stand up and make a testimony, and then somebody in the crowd will suggest, Your Honor, hearsay, and they'll object and sustain. They'll throw that right out, that testimony right out, because they've just heard about it. But if it's actually happened to somebody's legitimate testimony, I can testify that Jesus Christ healed because I have terminal cancer. I've had terminal cancer for three years now. I was told by doctors at the Mayo Clinic, by doctors at Northside Hospital and Emory University Hospital that I had five months to live, go home, get your affairs in order. We can do nothing for you. I went to MD Anderson, Houston, Texas. They told me the same thing, that I had about five months to live. But they said, we're going to treat you. I go to MD Anderson every 90 days. I make 21 visits. And every time I go, the doctor says the same thing. We have no explanation for why you're here. We have no explanation for why you're here. I can testify that Jesus still heals. Now, I can't tell you why he chooses to heal some people and not others, and some people's prayers are just as fervent, and others are not. But I'm talking also about those who are paralyzed by sin, and paralyzed by lack of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those people can be helped. Those people we need to care enough to bring to the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I don't want to call attention to anybody. But do you know anybody? Do you have a close friend? Is there somebody that you care about who you think that if they died tonight, they would go to hell? that they aren't saved by the blood of the Lamb that was shed on the cross. Do you know anybody like that? You know, I don't know why you come to church. Some people come to church out of a feeling of obligation. Some people come to church out of curiosity. Some people come to church uh, because they just want to be seen. Some people come to church to worship the Lord. I don't know why you're here. You may be here and you may be paralyzed 
by a certain sin in your life that you need to be made whole, that you need to be to get right with God. I have friends who are paralyzed by addiction. I know friends who can't stop drinking. And they tell themselves they can stop any time they want to, but they still drink five, six, seven, eight drinks a night until they go to bed in oblivion. These are people who love Jesus Christ. They're paralyzed because of their addiction. I know men who are so paralyzed with pornography that they can't have a right relationship with their wives. I know young people who are paralyzed by addiction to drugs. I have a nephew whom I love who's been in and out of prison for the last eight years because he can't stop using drugs when he gets out. There are a lot of other sins that paralyze us. My mother was a prisoner in her home, in her own house for the last seven years of her life because she was tethered to oxygen and couldn't stop smoking. She wouldn't go anywhere because she'd be afraid that she'd have to go ten minutes without a cigarette. There are people who are paralyzed by jealousy. There are people who are paralyzed by envy. There are people who are spiritually dead. And they need to be made alive. I know these people. I'm betting that most of you know these people too. That you have people that you love who are in this situation. Or maybe they're just ignorance is bliss. Maybe they're not paralyzed by their sin because they're so unaware that they just don't care. They are on their way to an eternity separated from God Almighty. An eternity separated from God. Do you care enough about those people to bring them to the feet of Jesus so that they can hear the good news, so that they can be revived, so that they can be revitalized? Hallelujah. Thine glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Revive us again. There's greater joy in heaven when one sinner is returned to the fold. That's what revival is all about. Darrell Huckabee, just a poor linthead from Porterdale, Georgia, I don't have any authority except for the fact that Jesus Christ died on Calvary for my sin. Jesus Christ took my sin upon him. He who was without sin became sin and died for me. And I want to tell as many people as I can about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I love to tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. That's why I so readily 
happily and thankfully accepted this invitation to be here this week. Now, one other point that the scripture makes. People were there. They heard about Jesus and they wanted to know more. So they had crowded into the house. They had covered up the surrounding areas. There were four men who loved their friend enough that they were willing to do whatever it took to get him there and lay him at the feet of Jesus. And the third thing, when he was placed at the feet of Jesus, his sins were forgiven and he was healed. His life was changed because Jesus the Son of God is God incarnate. He has the authority to forgive sin, and through the Holy Spirit, He has the power to change lives. The man paralytic who was lowered from the ceiling was never the same again. Wouldn't it be wonderful if those of us who are dead in the Spirit could leave here having never? be the same again. This man was lowered through a thatched roof, a paralytic laying flat on his back. How did he leave? He walked out through the door, a healed person. Praise God Almighty. We'll be back at 6 o'clock. We'll talk more about the power of Jesus Christ. We'll be back at 7 o'clock tomorrow night and we'll talk about prayer for our nation and how we can make a difference. And we'll be back Tuesday night and I'll give you my personal testimony about how having cancer changed my life for the better and brought me finally to a perfect peace with God, a peace that passes no understanding. We're going to have a prayer. We're going to have a hymn. I invite anybody here who needs to be revived, who needs to have more of Jesus' life in them, who needs to make peace with God, to come down to this altar. By walking to the altar, by coming to the altar, by kneeling in prayer, you're not saying I'm not saved, you're not saying I'm not a Christian, you're just committing to a new life in Christ. From this day forward, I'm going to be more intentional. I'm going to remind myself that every day is a gift, and I'm going to, as a show of faith, uh, do business with God. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to tell you how you do it. You admit that you are a sinner. You pray to God through Jesus Christ that your sins be forgiven and that you want to repent of your sins and live a new way to live a changed life, and God has already paid the price for your sins through Jesus.
Jesus Christ on the cross. If you have business to do, the altar will be open, or you can pray to God right where you sit. Shall we pray? Eternal God, you are the creator of the universe. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the author of life and you have given us this so many blessings. You've allowed us to live here in the greatest nation in the history of Earth. We are so fortunate and none of us because of anything that we have done. But most of all, dear Lord, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ. You have come to Earth yourself through Jesus Christ and you walked among us and you taught us you taught us and showed us how to live our lives you left behind the Holy Scriptures for us to follow and Jesus Christ became the sin of the world and died on Calvary to pay the price for our sins my prayer today dear Lord would be that Anyone who's here who does not know the saving grace of Jesus Christ will accept you before they leave this building. My prayer is that we will go from this place and we will spread the word of Jesus Christ. And we'll bring our friends, we'll bring our neighbors, we'll bring our enemies to the foot of Jesus so that they can also know of his loving grace and his saving power. These and all things we ask in your wonderful and holy name. Amen. Amen.